C3 Memphis is live in five, four, <laughs> three, two. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. We're so glad you guys joined us this week. Thanks, Don, for uh, your, your welcome this morning and for keeping your shirt on. That was great. We love you, Don. You guys sing along. Lord, if I ever needed someone, I need you. Lord, if I ever needed someone, I need you. To see me through the daytime. Through the long, lonely night To lead me through the darkness And on into the night Stand with me when I'm troubled And help me through my strife When times get so uncertain I turn to you Turn to you in my young life Lord if I ever needed someone, I need you. Lord, if I ever needed someone, I need you. Someone to hold on to and keep me from all fear. Someone to be my guide in life and keep me ever dear. Keep me from my selfishness and keep me from my sorrow to lead me on to givingness so I can see tomorrow. Lord, if I ever needed someone, I need you. Lord, if I ever needed someone, I need you. Someone to hold my hand Someone to talk with Someone to understand Yeah, yeah Oh, to call on when I need you And I need you very much To open up my arms to you And feel your tender touch to keep it just right here in my soul and care for it and keep it with me but never to grow Lord if I ever needed someone I need you Lord if I ever needed someone I need you if I ever needed someone, I need you. Lord, if I ever needed someone, I need you. Good morning, everyone. 
the passage for our call to worship this morning is from Jeremiah 33, verses 6 through 14. And it speaks of a desolate wasteland and of a people who are seeking health and healing. Sounds familiar. I was encouraged when I read verse 9. It said, And this city shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and a glory before all the nations of the earth who shall hear of all the good that I do for them. They shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity I provide for it. What we often view as a disaster and beyond repair, God is able to restore life and to bless abundantly. And I would just like to challenge us to remember that this week when the world and life can seem overwhelming. Um, let's pray. Dear God, we praise you for your kindness. We ask that we remember to seek you when we are seeking restoration and healing in our lives and in our broken world. Just be with Larry and the worship team this morning as they lead us in learning more about you. We love you. Amen. Amy Webb Smith, thank you for the call to worship. That was great. Uh, we're going to teach you a new song this morning. It's called, uh, what is the song called? Evidence? <laughs> The chorus is, I see the evidence of your goodness, and I see your promises all over my life. I think this is going to tie nicely into Larry's message, and so we encourage you guys to sing along with us. And all throughout my history... Your faithfulness has walked beside me. The winter storms made way for spring. And every season from where I'm standing, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. Help me remember when I am weak. Fear may come, fear will leave. You lead my heart to victory. All my strength, and you always will be. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see the promises of fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. I see the cross. Is endless. All my sin rolled away because of you, Jesus. See the cross, the empty grave. The evidence is endless. All my sin rolled away because of you, Jesus. So I see the evidence of your goodness. All over my life, all over my life. I see the promises of fulfillment all over my life, 
Thank you. Chris was right. Those songs exactly fit the message today. Uh, so that last line, right? Why should I fear? The evidence is here. That's, that's a, a beautiful song. Thanks, guys. And thanks for that message. And indeed, uh, the lesson today is about handling our fear. And with courage, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, ma'am. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. Good morning. Welcome to our time of worship and Bible study. We are so glad you could join us. We, and we hope that the Lord will work in our lives this morning. I want us to pray together real quickly. Father God, would you um, take over what we're doing, what we're involved in, and would you bless it, and would you use it for our good? We need your help. We need your strength. We do battle with, a, with fear. We are afraid. Whether we admit it or not, we are. And we need your help and victory. And we pray that you would uh, move us in good directions in this area of our life and in this area of our struggles. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, thank you for joining us. We're so happy that you could be here. If you've got a moment, I wish that you'd run and go get some bread or crackers and a little juice or wine so that you can celebrate the Lord's Supper with us at the end of the service. And if you've got a copy of the Scriptures... I wish you'd turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16, I'm, I'm sorry, chapter 17. Uh, we're going to be dealing with uh, one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Uh, you know the story as well as I do. It's uh, the greatest story in the life of King David. It's uh, dealing with his battle with Goliath, the champion of the Philistine army. And um, I'm not going to cover a lot of the story because you and I know it so well but uh, we're going to be addressing, uh, the, really, I believe, the main point, the, the main message of this story of David and Goliath, and that's how do we deal with our, uh, our fears? Where do we find the courage uh, to, to be strong, to be faithful, to follow, to obey when we're terrified? And so we're dealing with the most famous story in David's life. Uh, we're dealing with probably the greatest battle that he faced and the greatest battle that we face. And so please turn to seven, chapter 17 of 1 Samuel if you've got a copy of the Scriptures. I just wanted to start us off by reminding us of what we all know to be true, and that is that we live in a very uncertain and scary world that's full of threats and dangers that are very real. Uh, the Bible never tells us to act like uh, these things are not um, real, not threatening, not dangerous. The Bible never tells us that there's nothing to fear. I, 
I know there was a president, one of the Roosevelt's, I can't remember it, I think it was Franklin Roosevelt. Yeah, he had a famous speech that said, there's nothing to fear but, but fear, fear itself. Well. well, you know, that's stupid. That's, that's, that's not a true okay, statement. Historians are trembling. Well, I'm sorry, I can't help it, but there, there, when he said there's nothing to fear but fear itself, maybe he meant something that I don't understand, but the truth is there's plenty of things in life for us to fear. There's plenty of very real threats and dangers, and the Bible never tells us to act like they're not real. Uh, it does not honor God to live in ignorance or denial, uh, to pretend that there's nothing out there that can harm us. Um, when the Bible says that we should not fear, I think what it's saying is, don't let your fear immobilize you, paralyze you, rob you of God's joy, God's peace and of following God into the places that He wants you to go, that He wants to lead you into. I'm glad you clarified that because Jesus does say over and over, do not fear. Yes, but I, I think the context when He says that, both in the Old and the New Testament, is don't let your fears rob you of the things that I want to instill within you great point. and the things that I want to do through you. Um, the question that I've got today is, how do we do that well? And how do we do it in the areas of our life where there is long-term enemies, long-term dangers, long-term battles, things that terrify us long-term? Anybody uh, can do the heroic for a minute. Yeah. Uh, when we're operating, I don't know much, if it's so much on bravery as it is adrenaline. Yeah. To run into a burning building. Which is no uh, small thing. Absolutely. Or right. to jump out in the middle of the highway to rescue a child or that little child that was on that float out in the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah. Uh, you know, and those men uh, did some heroic things to rescue. Correct. You know, but <clears throat> well, I'm not talking about those kinds of acts of courage while they are that. Sure. What I'm talking about is finding the courage to do what is important and right and good over the long haul when we are truly terrified of the unknown, when we're terrified of the future. How do we do that well and how do we do it long term? Well, First Samuel 17, in my opinion, the real core of this story is not how do we get rid of our fear and how do we become courageous, but rather how do we follow and obey and endure life's scariest threats, life's scariest dangers, when down deep, if we're honest, we are terrified as we face them. So we're going to look at that today. I want to get Shirley to read a few verses out of 1 Samuel 17. Start in verse 32, if you will, and read through I will. 50, I will. if you will. And this, of course, is the story. And I just want to remind you or ask you to listen, perhaps, to this very um, well-known, famous story with adult ears yeah. rather than with children's ears. Yeah. This is not yeah. a—we teach this in Sunday school. This mm. is David and Goliath. Mm. And we teach it uh, to children, and that's good. But it's not really a children's story. No. It's not a veggie tale. No. Where a tomato boy fights <laughs> a pumpkin giant. It isn't that. <laughs> no. So listen to it with— with adult ears. Yes. Uh -huh. 
Don't worry about the Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I will do it again to this Philistine. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Finally, Saul consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into a shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at the ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David that you would come at me with a stick. And, after he, and he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you have come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead, uh, the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. <laughs> and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give it to us. Hmm. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David ran quickly out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his, cut off his head. Thank you. Yeah, it's a dramatic you're, story. It is, and you're a good reader. Thank, Thank you. My professional uh, job. Yes, yeah. yes. Clearly, uh, this story... Uh, it takes up the whole chapter of chapter 17, which I think there's like 50 or 60 verses. I forgot exactly, but there's a bunch. Uh, clearly, this is an important story uh, to the writer of 1 Samuel, uh, if nothing else, because of the amount of ink that he devotes to it and the amount of detail. There's so much detail given to this event that is not given to almost all of the rest of First and Second Samuel. Um, uh, you know the story, Israel and the Philistines are at continual war pretty much from the time of Joshua to the time of David, which is about, I don't know, four or five hundred years. <coughs> they're, they're arch enemies, they're continually fighting each other and, uh, to dominate the, the promised land, the land of Palestine, and uh, both sides uh, were, were continually fighting each other. Uh, an example is 1 Samuel 17, where both sides, Israel is on one side of this. There's a huge valley right in the middle of Israel called the Valley of Elah. I've been there. Yeah. 
<coughs> excuse me, and uh, the Israelites and their army lined up on the east side of this valley, and the Philistines land, lined up on the west side of the valley. And they're getting ready to charge at each other and fight. But all of a sudden, instead of that happening, uh, this huge soldier named Goliath marches out uh, uh, in front of the uh, Israelite army, and he does something a little different. He says, hey, I'm the champion of the Philistine army, and I represent them. I challenge you to select a champion from your army, the Israelite army. Send him out, and I will fight your champion. The champion of the Philistines will fight the champion of the Israelites, <coughs> and the winner take all. The, the winner of uh, this battle, the winner of the champion, that victory will be imputed to the army of that champion. It's an ancient way of exactly, it saved yeah. lives and time yeah. and resources that happened periodically uh, in the ancient world. Um, uh, so that's what was going on. Uh, ultimately, David is sent out to represent the army of Israel. He's Israel's champion, which at that moment probably made the army of Israel more terrified uh, that this little teenage boy is standing out in front of this giant and representing them. Um, Goliath... Perhaps humiliated that nobody else stood That no one else was willing to do it. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, Goliath, as you know, is huge, and he's powerful, and he's very well trained. Um, And he is uh, a credible champion, and there is very good reason for the Israelite army to be terrified. In fact, they've been hiding, the Bible says, behind rocks and trees for days uh, while Goliath uh, would scorn them and ridicule them and mock them, trying to get them to send a champion out. So they're, they're terrified, and they should be. Uh, the, it's very odd in ancient literature, ancient Hebrew literature in particular, to give such detail about the size uh, the stature of a, of a soldier to give the details about his armor and his weaponry. Uh, that was not normal. And clearly the writer of 1 Samuel does this to communicate to us that this man standing in front of David and the Israelite army, this man named Goliath, is the ultimate uh, undefeatable fighting machine. I mean, he has everything needed to be victorious over all enemies. He's the ultimate, superior, undefeatable warrior. He's a symbol of somebody that will have uh, accumulated everything necessary to ensure victory over any and all enemies. And he comes because of all of his training and planning and weaponry and armor, uh, because of all that he has invested in making sure that he will never meet an enemy that he cannot vanquish. Because of all that, he comes with great confidence, great determination, great assurance that his preparation, his skill, and his weaponry will ensure his victory. They should be afraid of that. And the Israelites are terrified. The Philistines are excited. Yeah, sure. Uh, And Goliath is very confident. And all of that is reasonable. There's nothing unusual about that, okay? 
Um, now, I want you to think about David for just a second. And I don't want to talk now about David. But he was a shepherd, of course, and he practiced with his sling, and he stopped and gets the five. He comes to this battle because his dad sends him with supplies and to check on his brothers, and he hears Goliath taunting the, the Israelite army, and he gets all bowed up and says, that's not right. I, I'll go out there and deal with this. Um, what I want you to think about with me, instead of all of that, which you already know, I want you to notice uh, something that I, until I really studied this, I didn't notice before, and that is that David does not come into this battle to be an inspiration or an example to the warriors of Israel. It's very important that we see this. David doesn't say, come on, guys, we can do this. With God's help, we can come join me. He doesn't come to inspire the soldiers. He doesn't come to be an example of the soldiers. He doesn't say, okay, every, all this right army, throw down your swords and your spears and your shields and everybody grab a sling and follow me. That's not what David does. What David does, he comes to be their champion. He comes to be their deliverer. David, didn't say, David did not say to the armies of Israel that Goliath wasn't real or he wasn't dangerous. Don't worry about it. Do not worry about it. What David says is he says that God had sent him to stand before this giant and to defeat him and to deliver Israel from their enemies. Uh, the Israelite army experienced victory this day not because of David's example and not because of David's inspiration. The Israelite army experienced victory this day because of what David did in their place. He represented them and did for them what they could not do for themselves. And I would just declare to all of us today that when, just like the Israelites, when we are facing life's biggest enemies, biggest dangers, biggest threats, we don't need inspiration and we don't need an example. What we need is a champion. We need victory that is given to us as a gift through the acts and the sacrifices of another. Um, life, as I said, is full of things that are very real and very terrible, and very enduring. And they are often things that are worthy of our fear. Um, I think about protecting my family in the world we live in, providing for my family. How do you, rearing children successfully, getting victory and power over the things in my life that continually enslave me, Dealing with the consequences of the failures in my life. Thinking about long-term illness uh, that I might face at some point in my life or that my loved ones are facing. Uh, the enemy of loneliness. I talk to people and I know people that are so lonely. Um, I think of the idea, you know, just facing death. These are very real enemies. These are these things, and these things are not things that are, uh, are temporary and that go away. These are real issues that haunt us and follow us and confront us 
for most of our lives. And it's not enough just to ignore or deny or pretend that there's anything wrong or there's anything bad or dangerous uh, in from that there's that, that there's anything to fear. There, it's wrong to pretend or deny that these things are not scary. It's wrong to just tell people that are battling with these things, oh, just dig deep. Find the strength within you to do what it takes, to do what's necessary, to do what's required. You can do it with God's help. I believe there are times, in fact, much of our lives, um, God's strength, God's wisdom, God's gifts uh, are what we need to deal with much of the of the issues and battles of life. And we have a God that declares with great delight. He loves to share His wisdom. He loves to share His grace. He loves to share His power. He loves to share His giftings and skills with us as we deal with uh, the things that we face in life. But when we face life's biggest battles, when we face life's biggest fears. I'm just being very honest with you. I don't think we need wisdom or inspiration or example or life principles. I think what we need when we're facing life's biggest battles and biggest enemies is not help. What we need is a champion. And I believe that the key to really understanding Second, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17 is to ask ourselves, who are we in this story? Who are you in this story? Who am I in this story? I think that's very important to ask and to answer. Are we Goliath? I know some Goliaths. Some of my best friends are Goliaths. They are not going to face a battle or an enemy or a problem in life that they have not done everything possible to make sure they're ready for it. They are prepared. They are ready. They have done everything humanly possible to make sure that when that enemy uh, approaches them, whether it's their health or their finances or their family or their job or whatever, their spiritual lives, they're going to make sure they've crossed every T and dotted every I so that when the, when the enemy approaches they're ready. The battle comes. They're strong. They're skilled. They're determined. They're armed. They're prepared. We know. I know some Goliaths. I can be a Goliath at times. I want to make sure that I've done everything I can do so that I'm ready and prepared to deal with the enemies that attack me. And I'm not necessarily saying that in some ways that's not good and admirable and noble. But am I a Goliath? Am I a David? Now, we might think, well, I want to be a David. Um, but is that really what I want to be? Is that who I think I am? Am I someone that believes that I can face the problems and the battles of life with God's help? God is my co-pilot. God is my friend. God is with me. And because He is, I can deal with these things. I can defeat these things. I can get through these things with God's help. And I think there's some truth there as well. But at the end of the day, when I read this story, and as I've studied this story many, many, many hours in the last week and a half or two weeks, 
you know where I've, I've landed is that I'm not Goliath. When, when it comes to the biggest battles in my life, I'm not Goliath. And I'm not David. I'm the soldier that's hiding behind the rocks and the trees. I'm the one that faces the things in life that I know down deep. I don't have the strength. Like a regular person. I'm a regular person. And I'm very, very limited in what I can do. I have limited knowledge. I have limited skills. I have limited resources. I have limited strength. And I'm hiding behind the rocks and the trees like those soldiers. And I am hoping with all of my heart there's going to be somebody that will be my champion. So it makes me, we were talking earlier, it makes me think of several people in my life that we know that are um, doing courageous work hmm. every day. But it's not, it's not what you think. It, uh, it's not what you would think, perhaps, as, as courageous work. Because, like you said earlier on, we see examples of courage. We see movies where men storm uh, Normandy beaches or men and women storm into buildings that are falling and burning or, or um, uh, first responders right this minute with the COVID-19. That or the hurricane, yeah. And yeah. work. You yeah. Know? And that yeah. is undoubtedly, without question, courage. Yes. Absolutely Tip top. Uh, but like regular people, sometimes mm. I, I'm thinking of people right now in my life, four in particular, mm. who are dealing with people who are older and um, are, have dementia. And the day-to-dayness of that, the inevitability, frankly, of how that goes. It's terrifying. Well, and, and you're dealing with a person, I, I think of my mother, and two friends of mine and our dear, loveliest of men, Alan, in our mm. church, um, who you just don't know what it's going to be. And you know they're terrified. That you, you, you're helping a person who can't remember you, can't mm-hmm. thank you. Um, and, of course, it's terrifying because the end is clear. That's the same end we all face, but they're courageously doing this work. Day in and day out. Minute after minute. Week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after. That is such a level. And that's not just real, it's real courage. It is. To stay in that battle and to fight that battle. But I just think it's so important for them to be reminded that God is going to give them strength and God is going to give them help and God is going to give them wisdom and all these things. But at the end of the day, they need to be reminded, and we need to be reminded yes, all of us. that we have a champion that's not asking us to fight with him as much as he wants us to remember that he is in the midst of our battle and he is fighting for us. We are not forgotten. No. I think it's very significant for us to be reminded that in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, the second verse, in our Bibles, in many of our Bibles, it'll say Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Yay. (laughs) How wonderful. (laughs) But that's not really what it says in the Greek New Testament. The accurate literal translation of Hebrews 12, 2, it says this, Jesus is our champion who initiated and perfect 
works our faith. I love that. He does it. Jesus is our champion who initiated and perfects our faith. Our salvation, our success, our victory, it began with him and it ends with him. He's not asking us to help him win a victory. He's saying, I started this deal with you and I'm going to end this deal for you. It just hit me like a ton of bricks. Jesus' very name. What's his name? What's Mary's son's name? What do you call him? Jesus. And what's his last name? Christ? Yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. No, no, his name is Jesus Christ. That's Jesus right, Christ. That's right. Yes. Yeah, that, that's his name. What do those two words mean? Jesus means Savior. Savior. Christ means Messiah. Both of those words are just synonyms for champion. Yes, Jesus is our example. He's our inspiration. He's our sage. He's our helper. He's our healer. But those aren't his names. Those are roles that he plays in our lives. But his name is Jesus Christ, Savior and Messiah, the one that comes and rescues people. What about what if we thought of that when we pray? Champion, champion. Yes, yes. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter reminds us that Christ has once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Jesus stepped in and became our champion when he died on the cross. He said, you can't die for your sin, but I can. And my death will be a substitute provision for you. I will give you my righteousness. I will impute that righteousness to you. Just like David's victory over the Philistines was imputed to the army of Israel. Jesus' death on the cross and his righteousness were imputed to me and to you and to all of us that will trust in him as our Savior. When facing Goliath, the need that we have is not so much to banish our fear but to remember that we have a champion who is fighting for us and who promises us victory, that the victory that he provides is certain. So my question as we end today, do we have a champion? The Bible declares that we do. We have a champion who initiated our faith and will complete and finish our faith. We have a champion, but have we made him our personal champion. It takes courage, like Sherry's friends that she was talking about, some of the most courageous people I know. And it takes courage to serve when nobody's grateful, to sacrifice when nobody uh, is being re- uh, reciprocal in sacrifice. And it's, to the point of my friends, it's, it's not going to get better. Right. That's exactly right. But not have this At least not go. for a while. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, it takes courage to forgive, to give forgiveness and to ask for forgiveness. It takes courage to get help. It takes courage to try again. It takes courage to admit you're wrong and to admit you have need. These are things that take great courage. Courage does not come from a lack of fear. It comes from our confidence, 
that we have a champion Hmm. that is fighting for us in the midst of our greatest and most terrifying battles. Please think about that today. I want to ask you if you've got bread and some wine or juice to take them. And um, we're going to eat this cracker and drink this this juice. And we do that and we invite you to join us in doing this because we're declaring that we stand righteous before God the Father. When he looks at us, he sees righteousness. But here's the deal. It's not our righteousness that he sees. It's the righteousness that Jesus imputed to us when he died on the cross and we placed our faith in him. So let's eat and drink and remember and give thanks for that righteousness that has been imputed to us as a gift of grace. Bless you, bless you, bless you for being with us today. Remember you have a champion that is fighting for you in the midst of the very battles that terrify you the most. Have a great week. This confidence because I've seen the faithfulness of God still inside the storm, the promise of the shore. I trust the power of your word enough to seek your kingdom first beyond the barren place. Beyond the ocean's waves When I walk through the waters I won't be overcome When I go through the rivers I will not be drowned My God will make a way So I am not afraid You keep the promises you make there isn't one that is delayed so I will not lose heart I will lift my arms and start to sing into the night my praise will call the sun to rise declare the battle won declare that it is When I walk through the waters, I won't be overcome. When I go through the rivers, I will not be drowned. My God will make a way, so I am not afraid. When I am in the fire, I will not feel the flame. I'll stand before the giant, declaring victory. Beside me, no shadow, no valley 
where you won't find me no i Thanks again for joining us this week. We are Christ Community Church. Come back next week. We'll be here at 1015 Facebook Live and YouTube Live. Is there anything else, Brian Rainey? All good. All right. Y'all have a great week. Come back and see us next week. Thank y'all.